Bill. What? Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. Hey, cassettes, and welcome back to the Black Case Diaries. Hello. Oh, back, welcome. Back again. <laughs> We're three old time travelers again, again. No. For the third time. Yes. <laughs> Learning everything we can about movies and TV and hopefully teaching you in the process. I'm Marcy. I'm Robin. And I'm Adam. Hey. hey. What's <laughs> up? Oh, man, just been cruising through time. <laughs> I for, wish. For weeks. Yeah. Oh, <sighs> man. <laughs> Last year, we devoted the entire month of August to adventure, so we're starting off August 2022 with a film about the most excellent adventure of all. Hey. Hey. (laughs) In the spring of 1987, director Stephen Herrick and the rest of the production team fought to get their film finished. It was a time-traveling buddy comedy with offbeat jokes called Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Whoa. Facing all sorts of problems, the movie almost never came to be. But not only did it make it to the big screen, it achieved cult classic status as one of the most beloved time travel films of all time. Dude, it's true. Yeah. It absolutely is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think this is always on the lists. If you look at the lists of time travel movies, Mm -hmm. there's always Back to the Future. Yep. And Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, and usually Ooh, Time yeah. Bandits is on the list too. Time yeah. Bandits and like t- Terminator Two. Oh and yeah, yeah. Things like that. Oh, the Terminator movies. <laughs> yes. So, hop in the phone booth with us as we regale you with the most bodacious history of Bill and Ted's Excellent Whoa. Adventure. Whoa, dude! <laughs> yes. <laughs> So for those of you who haven't seen this radical movie, (laughs) here's a summary for you. (laughs) Bill S. Preston, Esquire, and Ted Theodore Logan are two best friends trying to break into the world of rock. When Ted's father threatens to send his son to military school due to poor grades, the two boys do everything they can to get an A on their final history project. When all seems lost, a man named Rufus from the year 2688 comes to the rescue in a time machine slash phone booth. It turns out the fate of the future depends on Bill and Ted staying together. So Rufus was sent back to 1988 to make sure the boys passed history. Bill and Ted fly through history and gather important figures from the past, from Napoleon to Abraham Lincoln, and set out to give the greatest history presentation of all time. Oh, yeah. I don't <laughs> think you could beat the kids that actually went back and grabbed <laughs> yeah, the right. historical nope. figures. Yeah. <laughs> I love this movie. Yeah, I think you guys do, oh, too. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, this one is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. All of the time travel movies that we have talked about so far are very fun, but this one is like... <laughs> it's purposefully being a time travel comedy. Yeah. Yeah. The previous I don't is is time travel or time bandits is considered a comedy as well, but yeah. this one it's it's different from like a Monty Python esque comedy. It's it, the humor's different. And this, this one's yeah. a lot yeah. more like I don't know. This is ridiculous. Yeah, there's really <laughs> not anything like this. I yeah. feel I feel like this movie's pretty unique. They're just guys being dudes, you know? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. 
So yeah, this movie is really genuine and yes, yes. it's a very sweet, very sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> in a lot of ways. And so there's like an innocence about it too. That's just really cool. You know? Yeah. yeah. There's part of it parts of it that aren't innocent at all. You Ooh. know, like uh There's a scene yeah. where uh his dad pretty much kicks him out of his own room. Yeah. Because oh, he obviously wants man. to have sex have with his sex wife, which is in his son's room. Yeah. Which is just gross. That's it, gross. It's super <laughs> gross, especially because Bill knows what they're yeah. about to do. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. It's like, can't, I, can't you at least go in it's your the, own I room? Mean, it's like, just what kinda, the hell? It just shows how bad the parents are in yeah. this movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So. We're going to talk about how the movie was made. Oh, what? my goodness. A shocker to I everyone. know. If Bill and Ted seem like great friends, it's because they were created by great friends. As young men, writers Chris Matheson and Ed Solomon rented a stage one night a week to practice their improv and stand-up. After several months, they developed the characters Bill S. Preston Esquire and Ted Theodore Logan. Together, they developed a seven-minute sketch starring their characters. It was Chris Matheson's father, screenwriter Richard Matheson, that suggested that it would make a great film. Wow. That's Boy, was like, he right? That's props. Like, mm-hmm. wow, your improv comedy <laughs> was so good, we should turn it into a movie. <laughs> Words like, that have never been said. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> write it down. Write it down. <laughs> Do you remember what you said? Chris Matheson's dad wrote the screenplay for I Am Legend. Yes. Oh. And it's one of the things. He's a sci-fi, mostly a sci-fi screenwriter. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. So Chris Matheson actually didn't want this to be a sci-fi movie because he was trying to not do what his dad does. (laughs) The two didn't expect to become screenwriters, but in 1983, they put together a hilarious story about their characters' exploits through time. In 1984, however, the writers were fired from their agents. (laughs) Whoopsie daisy. (laughs) I'm guessing because they couldn't get this sold. (laughs) Yeah, probably. The original spec script included a lot of details that either didn't make it into the film or were reworked for the story. For example, the film was originally Bill and Ted's time van and featured an intelligent canine named Dog Rufus. Oh, um, I kind of okay. love that. <laughs> <laughs> that Where's sounds, that? That sounds more like a stoner comedy yeah. to me. The time van. Ah, yes. You know, that and sounds... Dog Rufus would probably talk, so that's I... definitely yeah, yeah. stoner territory. At one point, they met a caveman and lit a joint on his fire. You see? <laughs> uh-huh. so what did I say? Here we go. <laughs> in another scrap scene, the boys left a jock and his friends stranded in the ancient Egyptian desert. Oh no! <laughs> the, what and then the follow up to that had to be they show modern day Egypt with all the like hieroglyphics and stuff, and they see like they're now playing basketball <laughs> on the walls. And it's like whoa, ancient! What oh. were they doing? And it's just basketball, basketball. really wasn't invented in Indiana. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, it was man. ancient Egypt. <laughs> Eventually, the van was swapped out for a phone booth. Many have speculated that this was a reference to Doctor Who, but according to the writers, they weren't even aware of Doctor Who at the time. <laughs> well, Doctor yeah. Who had been around for a minute. Yeah, so. it had been yeah. around for, at this point, um, it, it about 25 years. Yeah. I think at that point. <laughs> so... so. Yeah, I mean, it was... That one's, you know, blue, and this one's red and (laughs) see-through. Exactly. By the time the screenplay got to director Stephen Herrick, it had been circulating in Hollywood for years. 
Herrick nearly fell out of his chair laughing, and he knew that the film had the potential to be a flop or a huge success. Nothing in between. Wow. You know what? I kind of believe that. Yeah. He was like, either people are going to get this or they're not. Or nobody's going to get it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because it is like, I mean, it's weird. It's it's a different idea. It's very weird. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Warner Brothers picked up the screenplay in 1985 and wanted to make the movie for $10 million. But the budget never seemed to be enough. Dino De Laurentiis, legendary film producer who funded classics like Dune and Firestarter, stepped in. Principal production started in the spring of 1987, with Stephen Herrick directing. He had only directed one other film before sitting in the director's chair for Bill and Ted. It was a successful low-budget sci-fi comedy called Critters. Oh, I don't know that one. Yeah, I kind of want to watch it. That's cool. Sounds yeah. interesting. Yeah, it was very low-budget, but it made quite a bit of money. Cool. Wow. Herrick imagined an Abbott and Costello dynamic with his main actors and auditioned 200 to 300 actors for the parts. Keanu Reeves was an early standout for the role of Ted. He nailed the likability of the character early on and would read his lines with a quizzical look on his face. He walked the line between goofy and sincere and approached the role as if Ted was a real person and not a caricature. For Bill, the casting directors narrowed down the field to 24 hopefuls ultimately casting Alex Winter. The two boys had already met on set and had a lot in common. They came from similar backgrounds and had shared interests, so their chemistry flourished on screen. According to Alex Winter, the boys constantly switched roles in the final days of auditions, leading Keanu to believe that he was playing Bill. Oh no. He was reportedly sad to discover that he was in fact playing Ted, though that wore off fairly quickly. (laughs) Oh, that's good. (laughs) He said he was, (laughs) they were sitting in the room and he was just like, dude, I thought I was going to play Bill. <laughs> and he was like, dude, what difference does it make? We got yeah, cast in the movie. Exactly. Yeah, and yeah. he's like, I'll switch with you. I don't care. Two ro- main roles. Like, <laughs> yeah, come on. Yeah. Yeah. And especially because it's like you're in the title. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, the movie's not called Excellent Adventure. It's called Bill and Ted's Excellent yeah, Adventure. Yeah. Unforgettable. Yes. Yeah. And I think, honestly, because I think it's because Ted is like the sillier one. Yeah. The more yeah. spacey one. Bill yeah. is kind of a leader. Yeah, yeah, Bill's more, he's more of the straight man. Right. And yes. Ted is the more like the goofier one. So maybe that's why he didn't want to play Ted. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Because Keanu maybe. does, he does uh, serious pretty well. Yeah, he so. does. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we definitely know that. Yeah, we know that for sure. But I do think genuine is the right word to use. Because yeah. mm-hmm. that's, that's the way you describe both of these characters throughout this, yeah. the, the way they're yeah. acted is so very real because yes. they're not caricatures, as you said. They're not caricatures of stoners or mm-hmm. of California surfers or something like that. They just feel like regular people. Yeah. yeah. They just have a silly just, way of talking. Yeah. It's just the way they grew up. I mean, <laughs> mm-hmm. there are real life people who talk like that. So yeah. it's not yeah. that weird. Yeah. They're just living their life trying to pass history. Yeah, yeah exactly. Stephen Herrick wanted a Monty Python approach to the history displayed in the film. This wasn't meant to be a serious period piece, but rather a goofy portrayal of the world's history. They hired Roy Forge Smith, the production designer for many Monty Python films. He was able to bring the same kind of comedic aesthetic to this film as well. Wow. Ah, there we go. You know what? Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this oh, definitely yeah. has yep. that kind of the, the Goofy's so, history. Yeah, they knew about Monty Python, but not Doctor Who, huh? <laughs> okay. 
Well, t- Marcy's not buying it. To be fair, to be fair, old Doctor Who didn't have the same Gravitas power outside is, of yeah. the UK. Okay, at the That's very least, true, but... because I mean now, now sure everyone knows, yeah. but. Yeah. The old black and white stuff. I mean, to be fair, yeah. I didn't really know about Doctor Who either. But to be fair, a show that has been on for 25 years might be hard to miss yeah. <laughs> for people in the business. Yeah. <laughs> Filming lasted for about 10 weeks, including two weeks spent in Italy. This included the scenes where Bill and Ted met the two princesses that we see in the film. Mm. Yeah. They actually went to Italy for some yeah, of those scenes. That's nice. incredible. The characters Bill and Ted reside in San Dimas, California. Solomon and Matheson chose it because they saw it as the kind of middle of nowhere. The pair used to drive past it on their way to gamble in Vegas. Oh, wow. <laughs> it wasn't a beach or valley town, which gave it a commonplace look. Yeah. Yep. People forget about how big California is mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. how much there actually is to it. Mm-hmm. Because there's LA and, you know, San Diego, San mm-hmm. Francisco. You know what those look like, but yeah. there's a lot more California than that. So <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. as soon as you go out of those cities, you're getting more of what we see in this movie. Yes. I only The only places in California that I know are all from TV shows and movies, and that is it. A lot of the movie was filmed in Arizona because it has a similar look and feel to California. It was the perfect backdrop and was close enough to California that if there were any issues with equipment, it could be easily sent back to or from the Golden State. Perpetual Motion Pictures created the VFX for when the dudes travel the circuits of time. Oh, nice. And when they talked about (laughs) traveling in the phone booth, it did not sound like the most pleasant experience ever. It's, you know, they're all actually in there. You know, you can smell everybody's BO. Oh, no. (laughs) They're all piled in there. It's hot. Sounds like they were in a sardine can. Yeah, they're in the (laughs) desert of Arizona. (laughs) I think Alex Winter said he got way closer to Abraham Lincoln and the other dudes than he ever wanted to be. Because <laughs> they, what they do in this movie is they stack them all in there. Yeah. Like they, yeah they're, they're like sardines in there. Yeah. yeah. They jammed in. It's like a clown mm. car. Yeah. yeah. Pretty much. Just bursting. Oh. It's awesome. While the film was in post production, Dino De Laurentiis' production company filed for bankruptcy. At this point, the production team only had a rough cut to send to different studios. It appeared that no one wanted the film, with producers asking questions like, are they really kids that talk like this? This movie almost didn't get me, well, it almost didn't get finished. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it was almost, it just almost was shelved completely, Mm -hmm. because when (laughs) the studio, when it shut down, they all kind of just kind of went home. They were like, yeah, okay. They went on, started working on their other stuff. Yeah, bye, I they guess. figured that was the end of that. And yeah. Uh, yeah. So thank God that didn't happen. But right. Yeah. yeah. The rough cut was two hours and 25 minutes long, with an original underwhelming ending and an opening musical number, <laughs> which sounds kind of hilarious. Yeah, it, <laughs> it does actually sound very funny. <laughs> Lots of air guitars in this musical number. Yes. The problem with the ending was that it felt anticlimactic and small. The boys made it back to present their history project to a classroom of about nine kids, and then took the princesses they met on their travels to the prom. The actors even said that when they were filming it, they knew the ending was a dud. 
They were given another chance, though, and reshot the presentation as a big theater production. Yeah, that sounds mm. much better. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I could see what they were going for in the first draft because, you know, in the movie, the classroom that they're in is pretty small yeah. to yeah. begin with. And when I was a kid watching this, I was wondering, like, why are they in a theater yeah. at the end of the movie? Yeah. I, I would hate to have to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Dread I mean, that project. Yeah. yeah the only thing I could think is, like, you know how we would switch teachers for different subjects? Yeah. And I was just thinking maybe, you know, this is just all the classes oh, or something. Oh, because there's way more kids you know, in the audience. Yeah. So it's like, the they're class. like, okay, you know, you all have your separate class times, but yeah. for the big final project everyone presents every, on the same day yeah, yeah. that makes that's a lot of the sense. only thing i could think that makes sense yeah. i because yeah it's like they're in the they're in the theater mm -hmm. the school theater and it's way better like this yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's a huge production <laughs> it's awesome the dance number in question took place at the bus stop as bill and ted were on their way to school while keanu reeves has no recollection of the scene Alex Winter remembers rehearsing it for weeks. Yeah. He said that they were in a studio rehearsing the dance moves for this for weeks at a time, and oh then they God. scrapped oh, the scene completely. Oh, my oh, God. Man. Keanu just, like, burned that from yeah, his memory. Yeah, it's gone. Gone. <laughs> a couple of people from Laurentis's company moved to Nelson Entertainment, and the post-production was completed there. After incredibly successful test screenings, Orion Pictures agreed to distribute Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yeah. Right. Excellent. Yes. They Excellent. Said, yes. They said nobody wanted it, and then they did a test screening, and it was like a bidding war after that. Damn. Oh, they man. did the test screening, and people were like, this is amazing. That must, that must feel <laughs> good. Yeah. yeah. Alex Winter, I think, said he was in the audience for one of the test screenings, and people lost nice, it. Nice. Nice. Yeah. He was like, this is, wow. This feels really good. good. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> All right, so moving on to the story and characters. Yeah. A fun uh, new segment to our yes. show. Whoa, fun, fun and new. After learning that Ted will be sent to military school if he doesn't ace his history final, the boys hit the books. Shortly after, they decide to take a break at their local Circle K. As they sit there contemplating their futures, a man appears in a phone booth. His name is Rufus, and he's played by legendary comedian... George Carlin. Yes. So when I was a kid, I loved George Carlin. I mean, I still love him. So I loved yes. George Carlin when I was a kid. And so my sister showed me this movie specifically mm -hmm. because George Carlin was in it. And I was so stoked. Yes. Yes. I did not know he was going to be in this, and I was really happy. Yes. <laughs> Casting Rufus proved to be one of the biggest challenges during their seemingly doomed production. Filming had already begun before they found the right person for the part. Names like Sean Connery and Ringo Starr were thrown into the mix, with Connery being an obvious tie to Time Bandits. A couple of producers that had worked with George Carlin in the past recommended him for the part. Oh, man, what an interesting difference yeah. Yeah. it would have been if for it had been either some of them. Yeah, if it would have mm -hmm. been somebody who's not comedic. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it would, it's interesting because it is a fairly, it's a straight-laced role. He delivers every line very seriously. Yeah. Because what he's saying is generally ridiculous. So he just has to say it like it's right. fact. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 
And it's doubly funny because you just look at him and you know <laughs> that he's a comedian and you know how funny he can yes. be. Yeah. So yeah. him being such a straight character. Yeah. And yeah. saying these ridiculous things but not laughing about it. <laughs> and he his persona was perfect for this because yeah. you know, he, as a comedian, he generally wasn't outlandish, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. or really like animated. A lot of the, the reason his jokes were funny was because of the way he said them. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, and it's like the cadence that he used in his stand up is very similar to the beginning of this movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bowling averages are way up. Many golf scores are way down. And we have more excellent water slides than any other planet we communicate with. I'm telling you, this place is great. But it almost wasn't. Carlin took the role very seriously and for the most part kept to the scripted lines with no improvisations. Every once in a while, he'd come up with a witty remark, but he would never deliver it without permission. Overall, he defied their expectations as a comedic actor. Very interesting. Yeah. It is interesting. Most most of the time, like you always hear about comedic actors improving and yeah. like, oh man, they improved so much of that movie. Robin yeah. Williams added so much to the genie because he was improving right, all the time. Yeah. You know, that kind of stuff. But yeah. interesting that he wouldn't do any. Robin Williams had such a different style of comedy. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's very true. And everything yeah. was very like off the cuff and yeah. he could just come up I mean and much more animated. Yeah. 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 Just incredible, an incredible mind the way he did everything. Mm-hmm. And I think George Carlin was a lot more like a writer. I think he yeah. wrote comedy. Yeah. And then he went out and performed it. And yeah. I don't think he was like, yes, off the cuff, just going to make a joke here. You know, like yeah. he probably did situationally. Like mm-hmm. he probably made really funny jokes in conversations. Right. But he probably but, wasn't. He's mm-hmm. like, you're the writers. This is your movie. This is your job. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just came here to act. Mm-hmm. I was hired to act. Yeah. I was not hired to write. And yep. I will I will just sit my ass down and let you guys yep. do your thing. Right. I, I think that's <laughs> just his mentality. Yeah. I wonder if he didn't do much like crowd work in his stand up time, yeah. you know? Because mm-hmm. you watch the specials yeah. and you, you see his like sets, <laughs> right? But yeah. obviously he did more shows than that. I yeah. wonder if he did any crowd work or if, yeah. he, if he didn't like doing it, if he didn't like improving. It was really a lot of, I remember the one thing that he would do was if someone shouted louder, whether they couldn't hear oh, him. Oh, yeah, yeah. He'd go, louder, louder, is the louder family here? <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I mean, there was one where someone threw a joint on stage. Oh, my God. And he was like, ooh, here, I'm going to give this back to you now. You can get arrested. <laughs> 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 Once our righteous duos use the phone booth, they find themselves in the time of Napoleon Bonaparte, played by Terence Camilleri. As the boys travel back to 1988, Napoleon accidentally hitches a ride on the phone booth. They leave Napoleon in the care of Ted's younger brother, played by Fraser Bain. This is another tie to time bandits. The first person they, they meet yeah. is yeah. Napoleon. Yes. Yeah, for some good. reason. Yeah, yeah. It's like he's a, a figure that everybody knows. Yes, he like wasn't a great dude, mm-hmm. but like it's far enough removed from us, right? You know, right, and, right. There, and there's like a, there's enough comedy about him. While visiting San Dimas, Napoleon goes to a water park called Waterloo. Huh. <laughs> the name of the park was changed for the film, but production couldn't afford to close the park for filming. So, all the people in the background are not paid extras, but actual water park guests. Wow. 
That's that would have been so cool. <laughs> yeah, you ever imagine seeing the movie like two months later yeah, in theaters, like, and oh. you're just sitting there like, oh my, oh no, oh, oh on the day I wore that suit, <laughs> oh, yeah, God, I, I didn't know I'd be in a movie. Yeah, yeah. I wonder yeah. how often they, I wouldn't like if they had to do a bunch of takes because like a stranger would just <laughs> oh, like look, look into the, the camera. camera. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> like what are they doing over there, honey? Yeah. <laughs> It's like, oh, wow, was that Napoleon? I'm going to go shake his hand. Like, <laughs> There's people in costumes. Like, excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> they probably did bare bones film crew. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, we don't want to arise suspicion of this mm-hmm. being a big old movie. Yeah. yeah. The next destination for our heroes is New Mexico in 1879, where they encounter Billy the Kid. Ooh, the old yeah. west. Played by Dan Shore, who you may recognize as also playing Ram and Tron. Nice. Pretty cool. After the phone booth lands between two outhouses in 1879, Bill and Ted joyfully order beers without being carded. (laughs) Hilarious. I love that that's their first Yeah, they're like, you know what? I know they're not going to card us. Yeah. Yeah. See you West. There's no rules. Mm -hmm. No rules. It's in this saloon that we meet Billy the Kid. They then volunteer to play poker with Billy, letting him take whatever they win. In real life, there are not very many pictures of Billy, but one thought to be of him has him playing cards with three other men. This is replicated when Bill and Ted are there. I love the little hints to history. Yeah. Little nods to history in this movie. It's very cute. Yeah. Yes. Nice little call. It's cool. Out. It's like their their own little Forrest Gump thing going on here. They're like yeah. showing up and like appearing in history and little things like that. Yeah, yeah. If you know your history already going into this movie, yeah. you get little treats all the way through. <laughs> yeah. When labeled as cheating, Billy, Bill, and Ted all flee to the phone booth to get away. Yay. Awesome. Yeah. I, I love that they did an old West yes. one here. Because you mentioned Time Bandits, and we just talked about it. Yeah. How they picked time periods that are not often done. Mm-hmm. And I feel like as far as time travel movies go, the Old West is one of those, aside from Back to the Future 3. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That one being the huge exception. That, that's yeah. the yes. big exception. Yeah. But like... The grand scheme of of just time travel, yeah. people don't immediately think of traveling to the old west. Yeah, there, because there are already so many western movies, right? right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But it, I love that they did it anyway. Yeah, mm-hmm. because I mean, it's such a good time period. Yeah, it's a great time period. It's really fascinating, mm-hmm. but it also would suck so bad to be there. So I think oh, that's yeah. why a lot of people, yeah, don't think in time I mean, travel. Let's go to the old west mm-hmm. where I could just get shot and no one will care. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bill immediately was like, yeah, yeah we could get shot here, Ted. Like, we, like, we, need, we need to go. Be yeah. careful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it, it is. it was definitely a dangerous time yeah. period. Yeah, and it was called the Wild West for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I totally, I get why, like, you'd want to visit. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, it also. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, well, yeah. What you do is you wear a bulletproof vest under your clothes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. And blow everyone's mind yeah because you do the snap and then they hang you yeah oh my gosh for witchcraft or something snap they would yeah you're right they'd be like i don't know what's up with that guy but something's wrong yeah Yeah. he survived a bullet to the chest yeah burn him (laughs) be careful all you time travelers yes Yes. time travel is some scary business Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm 
After meeting a famous outlaw, the boys went even farther in the past to Greece in the time of Socrates. Yay! Or Socrates, Socrates, as they say. (laughs) Played by Tony Seedman, Socrates is in the middle of a lecture when Bill and Ted arrive to philosophize with him. Just as he explains that we are but sand falling through the fingers of time, Ted quotes the Kansas song, Dust in the Wind. Socrates understands that the concepts are the same, and he happily goes with the boys. This is one of my Very favorite. Nice. Yes, yes, I. This scene is so funny because Socrates is giving a lecture, and obviously Bill and Ted do not understand what he's saying. Yeah, mm-hmm. no. Philosophize with him. <clears throat> All we are is dust in the wind, dude. And it's like the exact, it's fairly almost the exact same concept as what Socrates was just saying to this group of people, even though Bill and Ted have no idea. And he's just like, oh my gosh, like Socrates is like stoked. Finally, somebody gets it. Somebody understands. (laughs) I've been doing Uh, this for years. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Next, the boys visit 15th century England, but don't find any historical figures to bring back home. Instead, they meet two princesses and fall in love. A nice little... I mean, I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah. Nice little romance in the middle it's of the cute. movie. Yeah. And they have a little, like, Star Wars kind of battle yes. with some swords. Yeah. Nice little innocent, like, hey, let's play around. Yeah. Like, this is cool. <laughs> they said that that was uh, one of those things that they would actually let the boys kind of improv a little mm-hmm. bit. And kind of just work off of each other. And they would have funny little tidbits that they capped into the movie. Yeah. Just because they would let the kids, they would just, they'd shoot a scene. (laughs) Then they'd, you know, they'd shoot it again. They'd change a couple things. Mm -hmm. Then they'd just kind of let them do their thing. And that was one of the things that the boys just kind of (laughs) did. Was the Star Wars (laughs) lightsaber battle. Because they said that armor was incredibly uncomfortable. And they they were not having a good time. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, they, you know, that's, it's just cute. They let the boys actually just do funny things. Yeah. Be boys. Yeah. it's, (laughs) Yeah. It's nice. And it's also interesting to think that they didn't find any like famous historical figures. Yeah. Because I'm trying to think other than like kings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because, you know, you have George the first and second and, you know, all the different kings, right? Yeah. But who else? The two princesses were played by Diane Franklin and Kimberly Cates. Rufus reunites Bill and Ted with the princesses at the end of the film, and they are actually married in the third Bill and Ted movie. Oh. Yep. <laughs> they're married. They're having problems. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Yep. Oh, they have kids. It's yes, too they real. Kids. They have kids. The third Bill and Ted movie is very cute. It's a very cute movie. <laughs> After their exploits in the past, the phone booth gets damaged, and the boys end up in the year 2688. This is where they discover their impact on history. Yeah. How weird would it be, though? Like, if Um, you went ahead into the future and there's, like, these simulations of you playing air guitar. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, yeah, no, our whole whole civilization is, like... We were so... Basically based based on on you. you guys. Yeah. We were so successful. We were such a great rock band. Yeah. Oh, snap. 
society is now based on us. Yeah. So far into the future. Yeah. 700 years, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Insane. Imagine if we traveled 700 years into the future and they were like, oh, yeah, the Black Case Diaries saved humanity. <laughs> they did it right. I mean, that one podcast. Cool, but... Oh, my God. <laughs> when does that, like, start? When does it, like, when does the. We just have to keep doing this until yeah. it happens. Yeah. You know? I mean, I know. Yeah. Like, I mean, hustle up. <laughs> So during this scene is when Bill and Ted first show their famous slow air guitar with the wise words of be excellent to each other and party on, dudes. (laughs) Perfect. Yes. Be excellent to each other is such a good, that's such a good quote. It is. Yeah. It's so well-rounded for like everything. Yes. (laughs) And it's so one of a kind too. Yeah. It's, It's only... It's unmistakably from this movie. Yeah, it's so it's so sincere. Yeah, and so nice. It's just mm-hmm. a sweet message. Yeah, tuck and roll upholstery was used on the walls to give it a futuristic look. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So kind of like it's like a cool futuristic car interior <laughs> in uh. a way. You know, if you think about like the the rolls, you know, on yeah. the older cars right, and right. stuff, that's kind of what they had on the wall. Oh. Uh. Coming from the future, the boys then head to 1901 Vienna, Austria to visit Sigmund Freud. <laughs> Sigmund oh, Freud, they call him, right? Yes, they do. <laughs> Freud is played by Rod Loomis, who is also known for Body Double and the Beastmaster. The boys pick up Freud as extra credit because they have plenty of time. <laughs> Billy the Kid ropes him, and they bring him along. Oh, my they, gosh. they basically just steal him. They're just like, <laughs> need another bring one. Bring him in. Yep. Yeah. I might as well grab him while we're here. Yeah, he's basically yeah. like, what the hell while is we're happening? Out, you know, just pick him up. Yeah. Theoretically, they had no time limit. I know, because yeah. they had a time machine. They had a time yeah. machine. Yeah, but it's so important that he sets his watch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and forgets to set his watch. Yeah. <laughs> Next, the pair quickly picks up Beethoven, portrayed by Clifford David. He's also known for the movies The Exorcist 3 and Signs. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah, my favorite Exorcist film. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the just third. kidding. I hate all of them. Ooh. No, I don't hate them. I just can't watch they're them scary. because they're scary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. According to Ranker.com, the costumes within the scene are incredibly accurate. So much so that an Australian fashion historian and consultant, Hilary Davidson, uses it as reference for Regency costuming. That's pretty awesome. Wow. Nicely done. Yeah. They must have had a specialist. They really must have. Just for this time period. (laughs) Or just got incredibly lucky on getting it right. Yeah. (laughs) After grabbing Beethoven, the boys head to Orleans, France in 1429 for Joan of Arc. To continue with the rock influence of the film, Jane Weedland from the group, The Go-Go's, played the spirited Joan of Arc. She is a rhythm guitarist and vocalist, and casting directors were happy to see that she looked a lot like the real-life historical figure. I thought it was cool. Very nice. They cast an actual rock star, basically, in the movie. I love how she wears when she does the, like, 
dance workout at the, the mall. The aerobics. Yeah, yes. the aerobics. She's got this big cross on her, her yes. outfit. Oh my gosh, we need to make we need to get you one of those. Oh man. <laughs> All right. All right. It's like one of those. We can make one. one of those yeah. Baggy workout. Baggy shirts. workout ones. And yeah. it's just from the eighties, where it's like off the shoulder. Yeah. And it's just a big cross. Yes. <laughs> Well, yeah, I'm losing mean, it for the Lord. I mean, she was like, she was like praying when they found they came to her, and they just appear, and it, they're like angels to her. Essentially, they're yeah. like, "Come with us." Essentially, yes. Like, <laughs> she, of course, yeah. I mean, it's like, oh, this I must have to go. Of I mean, the Lord is calling me. Yeah. yeah. The- the angel's chariot the angel's, sure looks yeah. odd. But, you know, the, wor- the, the world, the God works in mysterious ways, That's you right. know? Yeah. The second to last period the boys visit is 1209 to pick up the infamous Genghis Khan. Ooh. Uh-huh. When I think of Genghis Khan, I think about that thing they say where, like, we're <laughs> almost all of us are related to Genghis Khan. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, like, yeah. Every, every 200th person can yeah. trace their origins back to Genghis Khan. <laughs> oh, man. Genghis Khan was played by Al Leong. In one scene where all the historical figures visit the mall, Genghis Khan picks up a baseball bat because it resembles the club and metal sabers used by the Mongols. Mm. Nice little historical reference. Yeah, it is. During Bill and Ted's presentation, they say they picked him up in 1269. Get it? Yeah. Instead of 1209, they say 1269. (laughs) 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 Points taken off. No. (laughs) Yeah. How did they get an A plus? Yeah, they still got an A plus. Inaccuracy. (laughs) Finally, the two boys grab one of the most famous figures in American history, Abraham Lincoln. To fetch the former president, they visit the White House in 1863. Played by Robert V. Barron, Abraham Lincoln is the show-stopping part of Bill and Ted's final presentation when he declares, Be excellent to each other, and thrusts his arms in the air. These two great gentlemen are dedicated to a proposition which was true in my time, just as it's true today. Be excellent to each other. And party on, dudes! Bill and Ted's triumph is one of the reasons that this film has remained in the public's memory. It's a joyous moment that's difficult to forget. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. This is one of those really satisfying movie moments. Yes. yes. Where it's a, all logic is thrown out the window. <laughs> you don't, you know what nope. I mean? Yeah. Yep. You're just happy that it all worked out. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's, that's that. it. And I, I like the Abraham Lincoln. He's a, he's a very memeable historical figure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. You know, there's like, there's so many things vampire hunter. Yes. yes. All yes. kinds of ridiculous abraham lincoln things but he's one of the most be- just beloved characters even though he was a person yeah <laughs> characters right he, all of anything he's be- actually a lot of really early american historical figures have become kind of characters of themselves yeah. 
like George Washington, I would say, is another one. They've, yeah. They've almost become a character of America right. rather than the actual person. Right. Mm-hmm. Because so often, too, we don't even really know the full story about a lot of the yeah. things that yeah. went on. Yeah. You know, and so a lot of it is like a caricature of who they were. Mm-hmm. And Abraham Lincoln, it's like, well, he was tall and he wore a top hat everywhere. Yeah. yeah. So, and, uh, uh, yeah. And he said four score and <laughs> Seven the years rest. ago. And, uh, yeah, that's that. That's him. Mm -hmm. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Done. (laughs) Bam. Next, we're going to talk a little bit about the music of this movie. David Newman composed the score for Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. He's a prolific composer that scored many classic films like The Brave Little Toaster and Tommy Boy. Oh, yeah. Heck, yeah. David Newman is kind of like a catch-all composer in Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. He has scored several. Oh, yeah. Of your favorite movies. Yes. And it's, his name appears a lot, but he's still not one of those composers that people really know very well. Yeah, yeah. I agree. But he really, he's, I mean, especially I mean, in the 90s. Yeah. Right. Lots of I think of he's stuff. done at least 100 movies. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah. Obviously, he knows what he's doing. And mm-hmm. I think the mu- the music in this movie is very fitting Mm-hmm. Each yeah. time they go to their new time periods, you know, it's all, yeah. you know, they have the those sounds of those time periods just to make sure you know where they are. Yeah. But it yeah. all fits together so that the movie still feels like itself, right? You're not changing genres or anything. So it's it's a great score that fits perfectly with the movie. I mean, it's yeah. not like hugely up in your face all the time and that's okay you don't you don't need one of those for a movie like this now we're going to talk about some of the reception of this movie how was it yes Yes, we mentioned that it has cult classic status yeah but what about when it came out Yeah, yeah usually when it has cult classic status People, when that when that happens, a lot of the time the movie was a flop yes when it initially came out but it's not always the case no that's right with a final budget of about $8.5 million, Bill and Ted made just over $40.5 million worldwide. All right. Yes. That doesn't sound like a flop. Nope. So we could say that people thought it most excellent. <laughs> it currently sits at 6.9 on IMDb, 81% on Rotten Tomatoes, and 50% on Metacritic. Okay. Which sounds a little harsh if you ask me. (laughs) Even during the test screening, audiences loved it. It pulled great scores from adults and children. Yeah, this Mm -hmm. is one of those movies that both can watch. Yeah. And both are entertained the whole time, which Mm -hmm. I think is really rare. Right, right. Roger Ebert, in his review for the second film, stated, I missed the enormously popular movie that introduced these characters, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, and felt myself blessed at the time. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) But now I'm not so sure. Their bogus journey is a riot of visual invention and weird humor that works on its chosen submoronic level, and on several others as well, including some fairly sophisticated ones. He gave the second three stars. Yeah, the sequel. Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Which sequels are hard, you know? Sequels are hard, and for it to do, you know, for it to be such a good... And he's right. I feel like he did that. They did that for the first movie, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where it's like you have the... (laughs) 
you have the humor on the submoronic level, quote unquote, and then you have yeah. the sophisticated humor. Yeah. Yep. It's all like it's all there yeah. in this movie. Like, I mean, there's something simple as it, at the mall, Sigmund Freud has a corn dog that he's holding in front of it. <laughs> that's funny. You know, like, I mean, and that's, you... that's really funny. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, but that's a fairly sophisticated joke. I yeah. mean, it's, it's hilarious, but, it, you know, but then, like, you have, okay, well, what's our favorite number? 69, 69. dudes. Like, yeah, that's like... not mm-hmm. a sophisticated joke. No. Right. So, right. you know, you got something for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I hope he went back and watched the first one. Yeah, I hope he did too. <laughs> Still, there were, of course, critics that were not fans. In a 1989 review in the Washington Post, Hal Hinson wrote, If the director, Stephen Herrick, has any talent for comedy, it's not visible here. More than anything, the picture looks paltry and undernourished. Even the warts on Lincoln's face look slapped on. I mean, duh. But, I mean, I see what they're saying. But uh, I feel like kind of the silly makeup, the silly sets, yeah, the not 100% historical accuracy, a lot of that was just the, the goofiness of the movie. It's the charm. Yeah. yeah. Without it, it would feel too serious. Yeah. 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 We didn't need it to be like Daniel Day-Lewis. <laughs> yeah. Okay? We, yeah. Just, we just needed, you know, this is, yeah. we needed Abraham Lincoln. Or, you know, we need to learn just enough about history yeah. if you didn't know it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we just need- But not too much. Yeah. <laughs> we just need an Abraham Lincoln that's like maybe- Two steps up from Spirit Halloween. That's all. Yeah. There you go. We don't need we don't need anything <laughs> too crazy. So here's some not some not so excellent news. Sadly, the Circle K where Bill and Ted went closed this year. Oh. Fans had to say goodbye to the famous filming location, and in order to do so, they watched the film on the side of the Circle K. Oh, that's really sad. Yeah. But yeah, I would think they could just keep that open. I know, right? Yeah, just I don't make know. It As a why? museum? Yeah. I was going to say, just make it a little Bill yeah. and Ted's location. It's, yeah. It looks pop- like a Circle K. Yeah, it's it's yeah. a popular enough movie. Yes. Yeah. That somebody right? could have bought it, and instead of just franchising it as a Circle K, just mm-hmm. yeah. turn it into a restaurant or something. Oh, yeah. that would be perfect. Like, come on. Yeah. You have the oh, phone yeah. booth outside. Yeah. Yep. And like you could get in it and take pictures and it like shakes or yeah. something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, we're entrepreneurs. We could have yeah. done this. <laughs> and then you just ask when G- Genghis Khan was around, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, you have all the, a bunch of historical stuff on the walls. Yes. Oh, yeah. That would be great. Have like fake signatures from all the. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> So here are some fun facts about Ugh, the movie. The funnest. Polly Shore auditioned for the part of Bill and almost got it. They chose Alex Winter instead. Interesting. Nice. Yeah. Oh my gosh. He was close to getting the part. Very close. <laughs> what a weird movie it would have been. Yeah. Even weirder than it already is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Keanu Reeves' obsession with motorcycles continued during this movie. William Robbins, who played the football player, who yells, San Dimas High School football rules, remembers being chastised for letting Keanu ride his motorcycle in between takes. Oh. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Dude, you imagine you're trying to finish this movie (laughs) and your star is on a motorcycle in between takes. Yeah, like, oof. Stay on set, you (laughs) son of a... (laughs) We do not need any accidents. I know, seriously, don't get hurt. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> and be here. 
Ed Solomon and Chris Matheson make an appearance in the film as the waiters that encourage Napoleon to eat the Ziggy Pig ice cream. Oh. <laughs> yes. Aww. Ziggy Piggy, nice. Ziggy Piggy. It's <laughs> <laughs> hilarious. Celebrated guitarist Stevie Salas was George Carlin's double as he played a riff on an electric guitar. Salas is thought to be one of the greatest rock guitarists of all time. Ooh. I mean, obviously, it's not George Carlin playing that. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> what? They could have taught him and a few riffs. I love it because they don't even try to make it look like it's him. Yeah. You know, no. like it's right. so it's so obviously not him. Yeah. And they and they knew we knew that. You know, yeah. so they're yeah. just like, yeah, we'll just cut to the other guy's hands. Like, yeah, like it's fine. Nintendo Power Magazine actually gave away the phone booth to a lucky winner as part of a promotion for a Bill and Ted video game. What? Whoa. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So somebody actually, and, and from what I understand, the person that won it still has it. They haven't gotten oh, rid of it that's nice. or so cool. sold it or anything. And he did an AMA on Reddit. And almost they said almost all the questions were people asking if there's ever been anything um, inappropriate happening inside the phone. <laughs> oh, snap. <laughs> oh, boy. The film was popular enough that it got an animated series that Winter, Reeves, and Carlin all voiced. It lasted two seasons. Very nice. Very cool. And I, I want to watch that. I know. I actually I want to see that, yeah. too. That I, sounds pretty great. I yeah. think it's on Roku channel. Oh, that's I don't a, know, for free. Really? Yeah. That's a bizarre one. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, I can watch that then. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Okay, right? all right. That's cool. That is pretty cool. Any final thoughts, guys? This movie is a movie that you can put on when you want to just have a good time. Yeah. When you want to not think super hard about what you're watching, you don't have, you don't fully have to pay attention to have fun. You know, you, you just get the jokes when they're there because there's jokes for everyone, as we said. But when you do watch it, it really has a lot of heart, mm-hmm. and it, it's very. We I'm bringing the word back, genuine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Because it's just people. I bet everyone who was working on it was just having fun. Yeah, right? yeah, right. Yeah, and that, and you could see that in the movie. It it right. translates. It just is so much fun to experience because everyone seems to be having fun and when when you see them having fun you get to have fun it's yeah you know it it translates to the audience so well and i love that about this movie on top of the hilarious jokes on top of the ridiculous <laughs> yeah. nature of it they're traveling in a phone booth and they just steal people from time yeah. it's like yeah it's great it's yeah this movie doesn't have any rules and i love that yeah exactly <laughs> yes you know i mean it has its own rules in the universe but it's like in terms of a conventional movie, it doesn't yeah. really have any rules. Yeah, yeah no. it ignores all that just because it wants to do what it wants. Yeah. yeah, and it's really fun and just, I love the very puppy dog quality of the main characters. Yes. Yeah. They're incredibly mm-hmm. lovable. They are, they really care about each other. Mm-hmm. They're really good friends. Uh, they never put each other down. They never have any ugly moments. They never fight. Mm-hmm. You know, they support each other. Yeah, the whole time, there's never any conflict between them. You know, it's just them yeah. trying to solve this problem so that they can stay together. And it's really, it's really cute. Yeah, it's it really is. sweet. You know, this <laughs> nice little buddy comedy with no fallout. Generally, those <laughs> movies follow a certain pattern. That's true. And at some point in time, there's a fallout yeah. for whatever reason. But that doesn't happen. No. In this movie. And yeah, it's just a 
<laughs> it's an excellent movie. Uh. <laughs> I <laughs> I saw it when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and I remember being a kid and being so blown away by the fact that this existed because it felt so weird and different mm-hmm. and just you know i like the little tidbits of history that it teaches even though yeah there are the things that are ridiculous yeah yeah that aren't you know jokes like well okay what would they do if we brought them to california <laughs> in 1988 and they just come in and they chill joan of arc does aerobics yeah know? yeah <laughs> Yeah, they Napoleon don't. Napoleon enjoys a water park. They, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they don't question the future. Yeah. They're just. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. Beethoven freaking plays three different electronic. Yes. Oh, the keyboards. Pianos, yeah. The yeah keyboards. Seeing them in the mall yeah. and like finding their spots and doing their things was so cool. Mm-hmm. You know, and they didn't fall into that trope of them just being like, what? What? What's going on? What is this? I don't waste, know. Like, oh, no. Yeah, they didn't waste time on that. Yeah. It was like, they oh, ad- yeah, okay, so this is the future. Yeah. Okay. They adapted. Yeah. They're, like, oh, <laughs> yeah. snap. They're all, all like right. some of the greatest minds in history, you know? So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're picking up on things pretty quickly. Yeah. I love that stuff. It, it, it's super fun. And it almost feels it almost feels like this movie shouldn't exist <laughs> yeah. because of its own nature. It's such a different take on movie making and yeah. what a movie should be and what steps it should follow. It it's like yeah, uh, you know, it's amazing that it exists and I'm so happy that it does. Yeah, it's yeah. cool. It's really nice. And I think when audiences saw it, they recognized that it was different. Yes. That it was mm-hmm. special, you know, because people talk about, oh, there were a lot of movies like this in the 80s, but they uh- didn't really they didn't really make it, you know? People don't remember them. And yeah. I'm like, I don't know if any of them were really like this, though. Yeah. Right. I think this was pretty special. I think yeah. that's why it's why it's still talked it about. stood out. Yeah. 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 yeah, because I think it was. It was so different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And having main characters like this. Mm-hmm. Th- these are the kind of characters that existed in 80s teen movies as the butt of the joke. Yeah. Not the leads yeah. of yeah. the yeah. movie, That's, you know? Yeah. Like, this was something that was a little different. It was, a, yeah. you know, but people saw it and were like, this is hilarious. Yes, please. I love it. Yep. Thank you. More. <laughs> <laughs> More, please. <laughs> yes, so. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure is exactly as advertised. It's a silly, fun film about two lovable puppy dog characters trying their best to pass history class. There's a genuine quality to the characters in the story and an unexpected wisdom from two seemingly unintelligent characters. It's been over 30 years, and this cult classic still delivers just as well as it did in 1988. This film has been most excellent to us, and it has withstood the test of time. Hooray. Yay. <laughs> I had like a triple joke there at the end. Yeah. Yes. Um, the most excellent and then yes. test because it was their history, history final. History final, yeah. And, and then time. So. Yes. Nice work. Nailed it. Thank you. You nailed it. Guess that's another case closed. <laughs> Woo. At least we got that town. <laughs> yes. We're not falling apart yet. No, not yet. <laughs> it's not like Marcy forgot. <laughs> <laughs> That didn't no, happen. No, didn't happen Didn't at happen. All. Didn't happen. No, moving on. Well, you certainly didn't hear it, so it didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, it didn't happen. Doesn't exist. <laughs> Before we go, we'd like to thank our patrons, Joel, John, Jacob, Jacqueline, J.D., Anthony, Shelley, Linda, Bob, 
Jaren and Brad. Yay! Yay. All right. Thank you guys so much. Thank we you. Really Thank you so much. You. Please vote for us in the pod- Columbus Podcast Awards. Yes. Yes. I don't please. know when voting ends, but I think it's I soon. Yeah. So please. Yes. Yes. Whether you're a patron or not. Yes. Please vote. Please go vote. In Ohio or Columbus or not. Wherever Doesn't you matter. are. Doesn't matter. Yep. All you need is an email. That's, That's all you right. Need. Everybody's That's got one of those, yeah. Yeah. right? And, and if you don't, spam you. then you use somebody else's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But you can find that at the top of our website, blackcasediaries.com. Yes. Yes. And uh, you can now buy us a popcorn at buymeacoffee.com slash blackcasediary. And thank you to all that support us, whether it be through listening, telling a friend, or donating. Thank you. We appreciate you. Thank, thank you, you so much. And we'll see you next time. See you next time. In the future. Oh. You future. <laughs> Bye. Future. Okay, wait. If you guys are really us, what number are we thinking of? 69, dudes! Whoa.